Welcome to Entering Storybrooke, a Once Upon a Time podcast, where we rewatch and analyze the ABC show. Before we begin, our podcast artwork was designed by Nickel Anarchy, and our theme song was created by Taylor Paisley French. Be aware, this podcast contains spoilers for the Once Upon a Time series. Welcome to Entering Storybrooke, a Once Upon a Time rewatch and analysis podcast. You're joined today by three vengeful wraiths who've been cursed to believe they're adult podcasters. I'm Darian, today with Fran. Hello. And Robert. Hi, hi, hi. Today, we're looking at a brand new season, starting off with, obviously, season two, episode one, Broken, which premiered on September 30th, 2012. It was directed by Ralph Himmaker and written by Adam Horwitz and Edward Kitsis. Robert, what do we know about this day? Well, notably on this day, the number one song, I had to choose the UK's number one song at this time because it is Gangnam Style. What a way to remember 2012. Oh, yeah. Pretty much the the start of, of K-pop being in, like, Western mainstream music. And what an amazing introduction that most Americans had for it. Yeah. The number one movie in the box office was Hotel Transylvania. That was in the same the, year as Gangnam Style. That is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it is crazy. The number one children's chapter book, according to the New York Times bestselling list. This is so fucking weird. It's a book called Lincoln's Last Days, which is a book about essentially about the life of President Abraham Lincoln before he got assassinated. Is that, do, do they lead up to like when he's at the... He's at a play when he's killed, isn't he? Do you like he's yeah, at a play he when he gets theater. killed. Wow! Imagine if yes. the, the picture book literally does end with him being like, "Wow, I'm so excited to go see this play. I wonder what'll just, happen," <laughs> and it just ends. Just James <laughs> Wolk's, you see like James Wolk's boot in the in the bathroom in, in the background, being like, "He he he." <laughs> if that's not in and the picture book, I, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's not a picture book. It's a chapter book. It's a, it's a book for teenagers, friend. Oh. This was a book that was very popular with the with the youth with in the 2012 youth. Oh. for for four consecutive weeks at this point in time. So, oh, I when I read children's book, I just like immediately just thought like picture book, and I was like, wow, that's a really interesting picture book. <laughs> There's a reason it's children's chapter book. Okay, I did not read that bit, but please excuse the fact that it is two in the morning. I I've lost all ability to read. No, that's fair. It occurred to me that 2012 was an election year, and Americans historically get pretty jazzed about the presidents during election years uh, in the past. So that might be why this Lincoln book was, like, really popping off. Mm. And then the news. Usually I say something about the news. All the news I could find was depressing as shit, so no news today. No news today. All right. So somebody got to prompt me. What do I have to do? I have to... Spin that wheel! Spinning the wheel, it will be our first... Uh, The joke finally paid off, it's me. And did you. So it's it's my time to not shine. Okay. You got this, I have faith in you. Do you you really? Yeah. Always and forever. Are you ready? No. Three, two, Robert, what happened in this episode? All right, so we start off the episode by uh, essentially the story of Sleeping Beauty being told to us. Uh, uh, I forget the name of the prince wakes up, Aurora. And uh, then we switch back over to Storybrooke, where everyone has been released from the initial curse. Everyone remembers who they are. They all go to Regina's house to try and kill her. Uh, they don't because they're like, we're better than that, which is a weird take, but whatever. Um, Rumpel Stillskin gets payback 
against Regina for locking up Belle by unleashing a wraith on her who will try and take her soul no matter what, uh, which is not in good notes with Belle. Um, Eventually, they defeat the wraith by sending it through a portal back to the Enchanted Forest using Jefferson's hat. But unfortunately, Emma and Regina, I mean, Emma and uh, Mary Margaret also jump into the portal at the same time. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. That's 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 pretty much it. I did it. Holy shit! My first successful recap. I did. Nice, it. nice <laughs> job, Robert. Yeah, sure. It was very good. I think like the starting episodes for seasons usually the best ones. They're more concise, so it works out very well. Oh, mm-hmm. I did miss one thing that does play important later in the season, which is we encounter a mysterious stranger walking through the streets of New York when he receives a postcard from Storybrooke that says i forget what it says broken broken yeah it was uh, delivered by a pigeon a pigeon just the most cgi pigeon i've ever seen in my fucking <laughs> yeah. life i thought it was a dove at first it was it, it would it would have been nice if it was a callback to what if that's the same pigeon that mary margaret saved back in season one um or was it a dove i forget uh, that was a bluebird no, it was a, a, a bluebird yeah was no it was? it was some sort of it's like a robin of some kind, because one of those yeah. the bird that Mary Margaret saved just like spread it amongst all the birds that Mary Margaret's cool and to do favors for Mary Margaret. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Mary Margaret told this bird to deliver this postcard. Uh, yeah, I don't think well, we ever. We find don't out know who did yet. It. Who did do it? That is the question. I think I know, but I'm not sure. But yeah, see, I think I know as well, but also logically, at that current point, he couldn't. <laughs> With how things were left. So it's just kind of like... But admittedly, I don't know why I'm trying to bring logic to this show. There's a lot of, like, hand-waving. Which is like, yeah, sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, here's one. Didn't uh, Regina make fun of Maleficent because the kiss broke her spell? Like, way back in season one when they have... Where they're sitting down talking. And she's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I need the sleeping curse. Or something like that. And they they have the, the fight. Doesn't she make fun of her? Something like that. Uh, no, I think she makes fun of her to do with her. Well, isn't the unicorn that she makes fun of? I thought I thought Regina had some sort of comment about how like oh this because it it was implied that the Sleeping Beauty story had already happened and that her spell had been broken. Oh, that's true. That's true. I thought so. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the case because the Sleeping Beauty spell gets broken in this in this story it's really weird to think about how this is the first time that the events in the enchanted forest forest take place after the events of storybrook yes i did really like that that's true yeah the the twist at the end because it's the sleeping beauty story philip wakes up aurora Philip, that's his name they say it so many times in this one and that's not to be like Robert you should have remembered because I said it so many times but it's oh my god they say it so many times uh, Mulan is also here which could have been cool but they decided she was in love with Philip so that's less cool then uh, a wraith appears bursts out of the ground I think I, I was actually looking down and taking notes at the time when the wraith appeared in uh, the enchanted forest part so I actually don't know how it showed up but a wraith appears and then it marks Philip and then Philip dies mm. and Mulan and uh, Aurora are pissed at the end of the episode, they go back to the castle where uh, the Wraith first attacked, and they find an unconscious Snow and Emma, and that is how we discover, oh, the story's been being told to us out of order. Everything that happened in the Enchanted Forest actually happened after the events of 
uh, Storybrooke, which I just said, I noted Robert, is the first time that's ever happened. And I thought that was very cool because it definitely like subverts the expectation. The pattern's been broken. Like it suggested that season will be really different and we can't rely on like what we know to guide yeah. us through. And that goes away pretty quick, I think. But that was cool. In this one moment, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool, yeah. I think the only thing that confused me about it with the ending is, like, Emma and Snow, like, it's not that long after the Wraith goes through that they then fall through. But, like, Aurora, Philip, and Mulan have, like, travelled across <laughs> the land for a long period of time before they make it back to the castle and then find them. It's just kind of like, Wait. How much time has passed between the Wraith arriving and them arriving? A night. Oh wait, I didn't pick up on that. That's was that different or did they? Oh, hold on, I missed it. Were they? Did they just show up? They weren't there the whole time. So it seems like it wasn't. Like they just showed up. Yeah, it oh. looked like they'd only just shown up. Oh, okay. because otherwise they wouldn't have seen. Like they didn't see them beforehand, which is kind of like how did you not see them beforehand? Sort of situation. Yeah. So wait, the wraith that went into the hat is the wraith that killed Philip? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did not pick up on that. I thought those were two different wraiths. Wow. No, that's how yeah, that's how we see that the timeline is. It's because they sent the hat wraith through the hat that the wraith was able to kill Philip. To be fair, apparently it's canonical that the hat sends you anywhere in space and time. It's kind of like a little TARDIS. So maybe it sent the wraith like a day earlier than it dropped off Emma and Mary Margaret. Maybe that's how it works. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I can deal with that. They did that in fan fiction. Admittedly, they explained it in fan fiction, but that's a different conversation. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I'm starting early. Wow, <laughs> wow friend. I was going to say, you must be tired. It took you 10 whole minutes to talk about fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring it up early. I was like, no, no, no I'll wait. <laughs> so what were our overall vibes for the episode? Gay. <laughs> very gay very gay but we don't know yet and it's also only for one episode like five seasons down the line or no i guess four seasons down the line at this point yeah but not for any of the characters in this episode robert none of these characters get to be canonically queer even though they're all clearly gay oh yeah oh yeah we have one moment in season six, and then admittedly season seven, do we do get consistent queer characters? But like it's season seven, yes, yeah, okay. But that's a season like that, to, in the kindest way, really doesn't mean much in in comparison to like the rest of the series. It's the one that most people didn't end up watching. Like it's got like the lowest viewership, sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely yeah. didn't watch it. Which which is a bummer because I genuinely like season seven i think we needed to do this like soft reboot concept way sooner because they were hardcore spinning their wheels oh yeah like in season four five and six and if they had done this idea sooner of doing kind of like these reboot things we could have had like stronger seasons throughout oh yeah but regardless uh yeah i it was uh it's a fine fine start to a new season i think i uh, found the enchanted forest stuff kind of boring and yeah. the storybook stuff very compelling and wow what a switch that was Oh yeah, what definitely. A <laughs> oh yeah. I think that's something that I really enjoyed about season two is that the storybook stuff was consistently the better stuff. Like like they had mm -hmm. some good moments in the Enchanted Forest because we got we got a split party sort of situation. But um Storybrook was definitely at its strongest here, um, in this season in particular. I don't think it's ever it's I don't think it's ever strong again after this season. I think this is like the last time. 
but um, mm-hmm. it it's good while it's here, and I do very much enjoy it. We're also seeing a lot yes. more of the town than I remember yeah. as well. Like in this one episode, yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I'm like, wow, everybody is here. Goodness me. Yeah, and even location here, <laughs> like location wise as well, we're seeing more places consistently. We like visit like six different locations. In one episode in story, but we've got town hall, we've got the prisons, we've got Regina's house, mm-hmm. we've got the apartment, we've got uh, Gold's place, like consistently, so many different locations. I'm like, I love this. It feels like yeah. a real place. It does. Yeah, I think it's the first time Storybrooke's felt genuinely like real. I have a vague layout in my head. I feel like it's a place I could go actually be in. Yeah. Whereas I think only the Enchanted Forest felt like that in the past. Going off what Fran said, I think why this season, and I would argue maybe even like part of next season, this the um or my last season and like this season, why the story part it gets better than the than the Enchanted Forest part is because at a certain point, I I remember having this thought. I I forget which season. At a certain point you get to the enchanted story parts in like season five and you're like, you expect me to believe that snow and charming did all this shit in like the week they were looking for each other or whatever. And they're meeting all these different characters and doing all these things. Yeah. And I'm like, they're trying to fit a lot in a very small timeline, which kind of irks me. No, that's fair. Yeah. Storybook is very grounded. I feel at this point, which I think is good. It's Mm -hmm. grounded, but in, in a fantastical way. Which I'm I'm really enjoying. Um, the yes, the the idea of just like a, a powerless villain in a sense, in a town full of you know lots of people who hate you. It's just such a really interesting concept just to see how that all turns out in the case of Regina and how all that goes down. It's uh, it was an interesting way of going about it. Although Robert, I do agree with you what you were saying during your um overview thing of uh, <laughs> the heroes being like no. We're better than this. And I'm like, since when? <laughs> you guys have killed a lot of people too. Well, not, I mean, not yet. Technically. Yeah, technically. Charming has at least like a dozen of the Queen's Knights like under his belt. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I that's like, I- you can't just kill. So- like The hero thing is like, if we're in a fight and I have to kill you in self-defense, that's one thing. We can't like storm your house and kill you in cold blood. That's just not okay. Yeah. 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 Or is it? Dun, dun. <laughs> They'll definitely make that justification later. Um, but yeah, I guess technically yeah. it, at this current point, that is the situation. That doesn't stay that way for long, but anyway. No. <laughs> oh, but anyway. Oh. But anyway. So, yeah, but hey, I really got emotional seeing everybody reunited when Snow and Charming see Ruby and Granny and then all the dwarves see snow and then they, they bow to her and they're just like everyone's together again and they're just so happy and they remember and then when charming and snow like see emma for the first time and it's just like oh my god it's our baby she's so grown up she saved us you found us it's so much dude we got the band back together <laughs> we got the band back together that is a really good moment. I do admit that. I think, and admit it is just my awkwardness. It's, it's, and it's, it's really sweet in the moment, but it is a hundred percent my awkwardness. Emma then calling Snow and David, mum and dad, in that moment. I know it's like an emotional moment, but like at the same time, she's only just kind of fully figuring things out, and just immediately said, "Mum and dad." I'm just like, 
I feel like there should have been a little bit of a pause. <laughs> Just like, oh shit, these these people who are younger than me, <laughs> my mom and dad. Aren't they like and the then, same age? I think they're roughly the same age. I think she's yeah. older technically. Because like, like she's Or maybe a little bit older. She's, she's the 28. she's oh, is she? I thought she was she's still 28. She, she's oh, yeah, only yeah, been yeah, in storybook for a few months. Oh yeah, that's it. Because yeah. I know later on Emma's like absolutely like not interested in calling them mom and dad. I feel like that moment was more her just being like mom dad question mark question mark like oh it's true which means you're my mom and you're my dad and really like kind of living in that reality more so than like accepting that as like a bond like testing like wait hold on if that's true then this means this and this means this yeah rather than her being like my parents yeah it was it was cute when henry was like grandpa and david was like yeah i guess kid come here and yeah, yeah, you know what? If David age, if everyone in Storybrooke aged as they should have, they would be in their fifties by now. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere around that. So yeah, calling calling a fifty something year old man grandpa isn't exactly the weirdest thing in the world. I thought it was. Yeah, I love. I I don't know. I don't. I don't remember a lot about this season actually. Like I remember other seasons, but I watched the second episode after I watched the first one. And I won't talk about it now, but I do. Like what they set up in regards to trying to like explore these like familial bonds, and then I feel like they abandon that very quickly. But whatever, we'll circle back. Yeah, that's a recurring theme. <laughs> Speaking of familial bonds, um, Henry asking them to save Virginia because she's his mom. Where the fuck was this yeah. attitude in all of season one? Literally all of season one, Henry wanted everyone to uh to not antagonize. What's the word I'm thinking of? To oppose. Uh, Regina and to like go against her and to like make her life not miserable but like to be like the good guy's gotta win and if the bad guy has to lose then you know she has to lose yeah, I mean he wanted to break the curse not kill his mom yeah but- I think it's interesting then again I'm just gonna bring up the fan fiction stuff they do do this a lot better in fan fiction in the fact that he never really thought about what the breaking of the curse would mean for his mom because like people, yeah, they've been, eleven. Yeah, he, like yeah, he's ten, eleven years old. He has no idea what's going on, and I like that they explored that in fanfiction. They don't really do that as well in this show because he flip flops so hard throughout this season about wanting to protect his mom, thinking she's evil, considering protecting his mom, calling her evil, saying she needs to be taken down, like just back and forth. Like it's every other episode he's changing his mind. I'm like, I get it, yeah, but also consistency. <laughs> Well, I think Henry changes in response to Regina's behavior. Yeah, I was going to say, he starts off the episode being like, save my mom, you know, she's still my mom, whatever. And then at the end, when, because of Regina, uh, Emma and Mary Margaret end up in the Enchanted Forest, he's like, fix this, and until you do, don't talk to me. Yeah, he did walk in on her almost about to strangle charming to death yeah that would have been a blessing for us but you know whatever she's the villain blah blah blah. yeah i've got to say i feel like she was not fully valid but somewhat valid in it because he'd gone at her for something that wasn't actually her fault it's not like she pushed emma and snow into the portal emma got caught and snow jumped in after her that is not remotely her fault but she was being blamed for it well, yeah, I mean, I, but I also understand, like, yeah, he's blaming her necessarily. However, they went out of their way to stick their necks out to save Regina when they didn't have to. And mm. because it was her plan, his family's gone. And yeah, he's over. He's angry. She could have just tied him up and left. She was going to kill him. Yeah. 
yeah she definitely overreacted um and that yeah. i do not disagree with i just think like it, if, if henry had come in just a little bit sooner and heard all the stuff david was saying i feel like he wouldn't have immediately jumped to the don't talk to me sort of situation like if we'd come in just a little bit sooner and heard it all it's like the whole thing of like you haven't heard the whole conversation like i still think he wouldn't be great with her but possibly not as anti if that makes sense. See, I disagree because I, I think it doesn't. It, yeah, if he, if he had gone in sooner and actually heard everything Dave, and like saw the whole thing, it still ends with Regina deciding I've been waiting to kill you forever and I'm going to kill you now. That's still the end game of regardless of what happened, what David said earlier. Like it doesn't justify killing him. Yeah. Flip side of everything Regina had done to them for 28 plus years. Yeah. Maybe sort yeah, of would have okay. justified killing her. And they didn't. So that's where Henry's at. I think that's where his flip-flopping comes in the season is that he's not just, oh, I don't know what I think. His response is directly to what Regina does. Yeah. And he lays it out. If you want to be in my life and you you say you want to be, then fix the things you broke. Yeah. Yeah. It's not your fault that Emma and Snow are gone, but they are gone because they were protecting you. You have a responsibility to them. Um, but you know, uh, you know who I think really could have stood to flip flop a little more based on the actions of another person. Maybe that's one uh, Bell. Oh God! We talk about <laughs> this bullshit. Yeah. Okay. This is the beginning of what I think most Once Upon a Time fans love to hate and hate to love, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Either mm-hmm. or. It's both. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where rumple in this case has unleashed a wraith against regina bell made him promise that he would not kill regina Mm -hmm. so he loopholes it and he's like i'm not the one killing her this wraith is gonna kill her and bell's like rumple where did the wraith come from and he's like i summoned it yeah that counts (laughs) motherfucker i'm i'm out of here i'm not dealing with this and then later she comes back to his shop and like She's still kind of pissed at him, mm-hmm. but she's also like, okay, I guess I can kind of look past this because the Wraith did not kill Regina. Hey, you have the chipped teacup. Oh, Rumple, I forgive you. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, you have to leave. And she's like, that's exactly what, because like, I'm still a monster. That's exactly why I have to stay. <sighs> and my girl has like a really, really big I can fix him complex. Rinse and repeat for like five seasons. Thank you very five. much. Five god damn seasons because that's what makes it not interesting i think watching it now knowing how much i hate what happens next i think it could have been interesting this idea of we really really liked rumpel and bell from their setup episode and just i feel like it's all laid on the fact that rumpel's not good and bell wants him to be good and he refuses to change and none of this issue is laid on the fact that hey bell therapy for you babe you really have an I can fix him complex and this hero complex that you need to acknowledge is a self-destructive tendency. I can't remember if Belle has a single conversation with any other person. Um, does does Belle pass the Bechdel test? She does at one point in a very gay scene. Oh. With um that it probably may not be gay to anyone else, but it's a thing for me. Um it's, is it Mirida? Uh no, it's with Ruby. To be fair, anyone who has a conversation with Ruby, it's kind of gay. Uh, yeah. Like Ru- Ru- Ruby, Ruby, Ruby swings is... both ways. Yes. Yes. 
100%. Um, but her and Ruby do strike up a friendship in this season. Okay. Which is good. And they do have like a Beckdale passing moment, like consistent Beckdale passing moments between them, which is pretty good. We love it when shows pass. Was Ruby supposed to be the one that gets Belle to not hang out with Rumple anymore? And because they got rid of Ruby, we now just are trapped in this plot line that never developed. It wouldn't surprise I... me because there was a lot of theorizing because, like, because uh, Ruby is a werewolf, she's also a beast. Like, the possibility of her being a yeah. new beast for Belle, in a sense. That would have been really cool. And even, I w- would rather it be gay, but it's 2012. So even if they never were, like, gay, I would have liked them to have a, f- a good, positive we can be friends, and eh, whatever, who am I fucking kidding? It needs to be gay or it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, I like this, like, I love a chipped teacup, and he's like, of all the things I have, this is the only thing that actually matters to me. And these are true. He's not lying to her. He doesn't really lie to Belle in this season. He just keeps things and hides things and is a shady, shitty monster person. Like, this is true. Yeah. I wish Erica was here. Yeah. He loopholes a lot. Yeah, no, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> Erica's. I'm the Regina Defense Squad. Erica would 100% be the Rumple Defense Squad. I am also a part of the Rumple Defense Squad. And listen, Rumple's whole shtick is he makes deals. People who make deals loophole the hell out of their deals. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it's what he does. Yeah. So this deal he makes with, I need to, sorry, I need to just talk about this one, one second. Um, how it's like at the start of the episode, magic is back. And she's like, he's like, oh my gosh, you're alive. I can't believe it. And she's like, oh, is that why you brought magic back for me? And he's like, well, no, that's for something else. This is just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the thing. But like, what happened to you? Babe, hey. And she's like, oh yeah, Regina abducted me and then kept me in prison. And I've been in asylum since we got here. And he's pissed. He's like, oh, she won't get away with this. And he's like, no, you promise you can't give in to your hate. You won't kill her. You can't kill her. I promise. And then that's Winks just the, the last. Yeah. And then that's just the last time Belle ever has a thought about the whole she got abducted and has been in prison for about maybe three decades. Yep. Because they don't really know the timeline in the Enchanted Forest from when she got snatched to uh, when she got dropped off. But Regina was still queen at the time. So she still had power. So this is pre the cur- the sleeping curse being broken. At the yeah. bare minimum, mm-hmm. it is 28 years. Yes. <laughs> then at least, I would say at least it's been 29, because pregnancy lasts for nine months, give or take. Actually, it's usually a little bit longer than that for, for most yeah. folks. I would say at least five years. I'm going to just, just gonna throw wow. out a number. Just throw out a number, five years. Because uh, like Regina like is able to kind of get a pretty stable kingdom until the breaking of the curse with the whole Snow White situation. Yeah. And she's like fucking about with them for a good long while. Yeah. In the lead up to the sleeping curse. So yeah, I would go with five years just because I can. It is, yeah. <laughs> I like it's like the how five. Long... Yeah, because how long. Because Regina only starts to wear her outfits after the king dies and she is queen. Like queen yeah. proper in control. So she's in her outfits, which means the, queen, the king is dead. And so how long is between king being dead and the sleeping curse? Like how much time was that? Like two years? Yeah. And it wasn't, so it definitely at least been a year or two at that uh-huh. point since the king's death that she then met Belle. Yeah. It, yeah, so it'd been a period of time between then. Yeah, so I, it would make sense. I don't know, this time is weird. Time makes no sense in this bloody show. <laughs> no, it really doesn't, so. I think that's like the point, quote unquote. I mean, yeah. listen, I'm not, I, 
Belle wouldn't want to kill Regina. She as a person wouldn't. She's a hero. But like she could be mad about what happened to her. She I I needed her to acknowledge. She's like, yes, I'm angry. Yes, I think what happened was unjust, but I won't live in that rage. I want to move forward with you. But at least letting her be angry or like talk about it with Ruby. Does she ever mention? Oh yeah, I was locked up for like 20 years. Hey. I so this is the problem. I can't distinguish <laughs> fan fiction and real life right now. Um, I feel like she may mention it, but I don't know if it's ever in detail. <laughs> but to bring out fan fiction, this is done a lot better in fan fiction because there are a lot of confrontations that do happen between Regina and Belle. Like they have, oh god, I can't remember which one it is, but they have like there's a whole two chapter one in like one of my one fanfic that I read like years ago. I have to see if I can find it to send it to you, Darren, because I think you'd like it. Oh. Of like them having this full like one on one chat about everything that happened, everything that went on, Belle being able to have the opportunity to rage at Regina about it, all this sort of stuff, and Regina just has to, like, take it. It's, like, part of her healing process. It's part of Belle's healing process. It was fun. It was cool. I just, yeah, I would have liked something like that at some point. I don't think Belle and Regina actually talk. I'm trying to figure out in my head. I'm like, do they ever even talk? I don't think so. God, we're going to have to do the Lacey season. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God. I really hate that storyline. I really hate that storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We can't can't right now. It's just like it just hit me. Um. (laughs) Uh, Storyline standout. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's Prince Charming with the steel chair and Snow White with the homemade blow torch. <laughs> that just sounds like you're you're announcing on uh, on like a wrestling show. By God, with the steel chair and the homemade torch. Yeah, and I, I did. Oh my! In all caps in the notes, it is. Oh my God, it's Prince Charming with the steel chair. When they are first, when the wraith first shows up to to try to kill Regina, and she's in she's in the, the they've locked her up. They stop the angry mob. But they're like, okay, but she still needs to be locked up for, like, our safety and hers. Oh, because right, yeah. her magic's not working. We should probably mention that. Oh, the smirk. Okay, I know we're all over the place. But, Fran, do you want to talk about that smirk? Um, I would, but I currently actually can't put thoughts together. I'm really struggling. Sorry, it was just like when she opens the door, can I help you? And the angry mom is there, and she's just like, oh. bitches. Oh yeah, okay. It's for me. It's the one where she like throws out her hands with that sort yeah. of smirk, and then that moment, and then there's no magic. Yeah, there's nothing, and she just kind of looks at her hands, and you can just see like the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, magic moment. works differently here. Yeah, it's also it's also the outfit. The outfit is where like the brain malfunctions because, <laughs> um, oh my god, <laughs> her and like oh. Just, I don't even know how to describe the outfit, um, but it is legendary. It is definitely my favorite Regina outfit in like Storybrooke Regina okay. outfit, um, just because it's like power suit vibes. Mm-hmm. It's I will crush you and you'll thank me for it vibes, <laughs> like all that yep. sort of stuff. And I am obsessed. <laughs> no, it's Fran, you very may good. Be a little gay. Little gay. <laughs> little gay. Just, it's... just a <laughs> I diagnose you with the gay. Uh, friend, you I... want to talk a little bit? I know we, you story stand up, but you have this great note about Emma's conversation with her family. 
Oh, I'm gonna have to read again. I didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> I was at a completely different section, and I was like, I do not remember writing anything. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it was specifically the scene of Emma's sort of candidness with her parents mm-hmm. um, about the abandonment sort of situation. Like, her, I think it was specifically with Snow. I don't think Charming's in like connected to this conversation at all. I think it's just with snow from what i remember in the apartment well no so charming's there too they're on the street and like emma's coming back up it's after i think they had the the confrontation with rumple to try to figure out what's up what's with the magic what's with this wraith oh that's when they find out about the wraith that's when bell finds out that he summoned the wraith uh but Uh, yeah and and it it is funny because emma's coming up and charming to bell to snow is like snow don't push it and then when Emma gets there and just knows, just like, we need to talk. I mean, I want to talk. And this time she's like, big sigh. Because she's <laughs> pushing it. But, like, honestly, it's like, yes, it's you shouldn't push someone when they're not ready to talk. But I feel like Snow in this moment is like, she is just expressing her deep desire to talk, to have a conversation, her need to have this. And she's like, we, we, we've talked, but we don't talk just like mother and daughter. We talked about things we probably shouldn't have, like one night stands. One night stands. Well, well, we were cursed. Yeah, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's the line I complained about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I oh, I think because I, I forgot about the line. I feel like it's less about like oh, you slept with someone, and more just like you slept with whale. Uh, yeah, whale of all people. Whale of all whale. Like you guys in Hopper, and I've been like okay, but whale, we were cursed. <laughs> but um. Yeah, no, it's it. That's the that's the setup where she's just like, I want to talk to you. You're a daughter. We miss you. You've done all these things, but we don't know anything. And then that's when Emma's like, I think you described it as like her candidness about like how yeah. she feels. Yeah, because like they're talking about like being so happy and all these sort of things, and they want to get to know her, which I also find like somewhat weird because I'm like, you like at least her and Snow have had a lot of conversations in like the months that she's been there. How, like mm-hmm. I know it's not from a mother's perspective, she, but she knows a lot about Emma <laughs> at this point. But yeah, more than she maybe it, would if she was her mom. Yeah. yeah, although I think that's healthy. If I'm honest, like I have a very yeah. like open, chatting like relationship with my mom. Where, like, Listen, I, 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 I think what? there's a healthy, open, chatting relationship with your mom, and then there's being like, here are the things that I like other people to do to me in a bedroom. Well, I and don't that, know that... if they had conversations <laughs> about that. I can almost guarantee that Mary Margaret and Emma, like, they would share some wine, they would chill and they chat, and maybe like because of the whole of the whole doctor mm-hmm. Whale. Whale. They definitely and... talked about how he was in bed. And it answer is yeah. very selfish. Horrible. Very selfish. Definitely Horrible. that if if you showed me that man, I would say he does not go down on people. Um, yeah. And he expects them maybe... to do all the domestic housework. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's just me and my mum, but like I would definitely have an open conversation with her about something like that. I just like that she basically has this whole open thing of <laughs> there's a, sort of so I don't know if I'm going to be explaining this properly, but the sort of deflection that Snow has of oh you know we didn't want to to have that being said, and Emma's almost immediate response was, but you did. Mm-hmm. You may have not had a choice, but you still chose to send me away either way like either way i was yeah. sent away and left alone like yeah. you could have kept me with you and we would have always been together because in a sense like and i don't think this is properly talked about until i think maybe one of the later seasons maybe next season actually that the only reason why emma was basically sent away was because they were like she's gonna save us one day so that's why we're gonna abandon this brand new newborn 
because yeah, she's like having a savior sort of situation. I know it was the also additional part. Was it talked about last season? Yeah, that's that they straight up say like, oh, Emma will break the curse. Like Rumple tells them your your child is gonna break the curse. So they have to protect oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. her. Oh, I was meaning more as in like Emma doesn't know this at this current point. So she doesn't fully like I don't what I mean more is in like they don't communicate that with each other. That that's an additional part of like Emma's abandonment of the only reason why she was left alone is because she was meant to save everyone. So she was meant to go through all these horrible things in her life of foster care and all this sort of sad stuff just to save everyone else. Well, but who was meant that? to be saving her sort of thing. That's definitely a mental health metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Henry yeah. knows. Maybe she just, like, I think, yeah, maybe she just needs to confront it. I think that's something she does actually confront in season three. Yeah, I, I think it's something she hasn't unpacked it. Knowing something and actually addressing it and unpacking it are, like, two different things, and they aren't always things that the show does very well. Sometimes they just assume, mm. yeah, they know it, so they've unpacked it, we don't have to deal with it anymore. And sometimes it's like, no, we the character needs to unpack these feelings. And I, I really like that that conversation that you're talking yeah. about, Fran, with I, I like Snow trying to reach out, and I also totally like like Emma being like, hey, no, I'm not really ready to have that yet, because, I, yeah, I'm happy to see you and your heroes, and I, I understand logically why this happened to me now, and it, it, it is, I wasn't, like, given up because I was unwanted or hated, but it was still given up, and it's like, and that, you can't just turn off those feelings of abandonment and pain that she was had in her heart for 28 years, like, even knowing yeah. these is the details. Those bad feelings, those bad experiences don't just go away because we broke the curse. There are still things you have to work through. So, yeah, I, I totally agree there. I think yeah. Emma is perhaps creating a somewhat idealized version of different events. Now knowing that the, all this stuff is real, the curse is real, magic is real. Well, if you hadn't sent me away, at least we would have been together. Emma! Emma, your dad thought he was married to another woman and was in a coma for like 28 years. Your mom was a sad, uh, alone school teacher. You, they have an age. You would have been in a goddamn orphanage. You think Regina didn't have a perfectly like terrible curse written to separate the charmings? Like, no. I love you, Emma, but you would have been in an orphanage yeah. regardless. And you would have still been an infant. Yeah. Although it would have been interesting if like, oh no, because she's a single mother. I was going to say maybe she makes Snow White like a lonely single mother sort of situation of like struggling to make like make ends meet sort of situation so like she's still miserable oh my god imagine if she did that and she like she has it so snow white resents her own child because she's struggling That's... to make ends meet that yeah. that would be darker that would be darker so no, not even that. okay no yeah struggling with single mother and the father abandoned them because the baby had been born yes yeah like he left because of that and so yeah yeah yeah, so that would have happened. Emma, it was a curse. You didn't just wipe their memories. It was a curse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she definitely has a lot of idealized ideas of her family. And I think also her family then kind of, like, rubs some of that stuff onto her for a period of time. Because, like, her whole thing of, like, you know, things aren't black and white. She kind of forgets that in this season yeah. and next season a bit. Like, it just kind of, like, the she fluctuates a little it. bit. Oh yeah, the show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the show forgets it a lot, except for some characters. Some um, characters. But, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, really some male characters. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I would say the only thing I want to slightly critique is just why weren't they ever making like the the magic tree thing next to Snow White's like room? Because like 
if she suddenly went into labor or any point, she was going to be in the room there. You could immediately, like, you could put her into that tree super easily. Like, the, like it'll be as nearby her as much as possible. Yeah. For when the moment it's done, she can immediately get in because it's going to be nearby wherever she is the most. Because it is in, it was in the worst place possible. It was like, it's like in the furthest other... part of the castle. It was yeah. in like the child's playroom sort of thing that was going to yeah, be. Why was it in Emma's room of all places? Literally. I don't. I, don't I mean, you wouldn't want someone like Geppetto and Pinocchio doing work in in the Charming's room. Especially with Snow being very pregnant and all the stress in general. Like, she needs to be able to, like, rest. But, like, yeah. in the next room over. Yeah, I was going to say, next door. Home. Yeah, like, why, yeah. Is it, why did you put it? It's done. Why is it in Emma's nursery? Yeah. And also, why is Emma's nursery so fucking far away from where they are? That's that's some wild bullshit. That's some actual royal bullshit that we don't want to hear yeah. the baby crying. Then wet maids will take care of it. Like, there's no way oh, yeah. Snow White wouldn't just have the crib in her room. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, that's also something I would like. I would like Emma to think about this. Like, she doesn't, but I would have liked Emma to think about this. Like, if she had stayed in the Enchanted Forest, Henry wouldn't exist, mm -hmm. and she'd also be kind of a bit of an asshole. <laughs> She'd be a spoiled brat. <laughs> like that's the worst. Don't kind. we don't we get that? There's an episode yes. way later. Yeah, I've always yeah. disliked how they have Emma in that because I I actually don't think she would be a spoiled brat. She's like. I feel like she would have been like kind of like a badass princess because her parents were charming and snow and all the stuff they'd had to go through. They would have like raised their daughter to be very self-sufficient. Yeah. Although I could also see them being like a little bit of the self-sufficient, but like, like obsessively overprotective because of yeah, I think that's what we got at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I can see that being the case considering like, just the, the initial signs like immediately of just like what snow like snow immediately jumping in after emma for example like there's a sign of like she would be super overprotective um so i could see like i feel like like yeah. emma did go through some terrible stuff but she did, there's a lot better things happening in this case than if she yeah. was a princess um I, I would like to point out my favorite yes. scene of the entire episode is after mary marker jumps into the portal after emma David follows and the portal closes and he eats shit. And it's it's, it's the best it's the best. I love it so much. I replayed it three times when I watched that. it. Belly flop belly flops and gets up, so I guess he has like a stomach of steel. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. But just just to see him eat shit and then like the, the, there's that moment between the not drama the drama of him jumping to try and make it in time and the sadness of he didn't make it. There's that middle ground, those two seconds where he eats shit and he's like, oof. And I, it's great. I love it. I love I, I love and I hate when Once Upon a Time takes serious moments and plays them like that. Pretend like actually thinking for a second. Oh, yeah, we filmed a super serious take. David eating shit like that was super serious and crucial to the drama. It's OK. <laughs> they do yeah. that with a lot of things. That did actually birth probably one of not the funniest crack ship, but at least the second or third which was called Prince Floor, because he does fall over a lot. Um, so yep. it, it's like the whole like Jason and a Brick thing. It was I Prince was about Floor. to say it's Jason and a Brick, yep. Yeah, you had Prince Floor and Captain Floor, because later on we've got Hook, who also eats a lot of Floor. They just don't knock him down. Um, Good, they deserve it though, both yeah. of them. 
Not to everybody. I actually still like. I'm waiting for the time when it's like, oh, we don't like charm anymore. I still like charming at this moment. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You're you got some stuff you got to work through, but uh, I support you. I'm here for it. I want good things for you and your family. Oh yeah. Do we want to talk about all the queer baiting or? Uh... Yes, I was actually about to say, can I bring up the, <laughs> the true no, love no, definition no, thing in the no, show no, for the queer baiting? <laughs> I'm sorry, we cannot bring it up. This is a straight-only podcast with only straight... No, I'm joking. Anyway, continue, please. <laughs> okay, so I looked up this line specifically because I can't remember when it's said. Um, it may have been said in this episode, but I can't remember what was said in this episode anymore. But um, <laughs> it's from Regina to Emma. I think it's from Regina to Emma. Yeah, it's Miss Swan. That makes more sense. Um, so it's true love, Miss Swan. The only magic strong enough to transcend realms and break any curse. They literally literally transcended mm -hmm. realms mm -hmm. in this scene emma mm -hmm. touched her and there was magic and yes i mean that literally and literally. symbolically <laughs> and there is this it's huge theory i which i adore so much that regina went we just made true love magic what the fuck me and emma just made true love magic and like she's like spiraling because it's the scene later on, I'm going to half spoil, I guess, where Emma admits to her that she's got magic within her and mm -hmm. Regina looks devastated. Like her face falls for like a brief moment of just like, you have magic? And then immediately, like like devastated down and then immediately angry. It's like, oh, of course you do. And she's gone from like devastated and sad and like previously longing of seeing Emma again too mad and a lot of people have this theory is that she was kind of like oh my god we've just made true love magic what the fuck i don't love emma do i love emma no no i hate emma and just like all this time leading up to that later confrontation she's been dealing mm -hmm. with all these emotions all this drama and then she's just found out that it wasn't actually true love magic not no, between yeah. them at least and now she's like oh <laughs> Yeah, what do no. I do now? And I'm like, I love that theory so much. I know it's not true, but I fucking love it. And it's the only thing that makes sense to me. No, if if Emma or Regina had been written to be a man, it would have absolutely been true love magic. And it could because it, the point is like, it oh, would. it's our, one of our first hints that like Emma has her own magic because magic works differently here. But like for fucking real. Regina can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And then suddenly this person like grabs onto her arm as they're trying to like save her life and it's all getting, and then she can just do it. Like that's some, what did I, uh, would you like to reference my notes? I, I put it really nicely. Um, gay, 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 fucking cowards. <laughs> we love a partner who can help you when you're having performance issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I would like um, to reference my favorite fanfic, The Secrets in the Telling, which is exactly this concept of performance issues with magic and Regina and Emma. Please read it. It's the best one. <laughs> performance issues, not uncommon. One out of five. <laughs> one out of five. That joke is a lot funnier when you remember there's five hosts. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny when all five hosts are here. Ah. <laughs> And then there's Mulan and Philip, which, wow, we spent, like, way too long pretending like that wasn't Mulan in the intro. Like, it took, like, oh, yeah. two scenes for her to finally take off her helmet, and then Aurora's really hung up on a, a woman. You're with a woman? You're a woman? And it's like, Aurora, I really need you to calm the fuck down. Uh, yeah. But she's clearly very gay, so. Oh, yeah. 
I have forgotten because of like how clearly queer Mulan is. I'd forgotten that the first couple of times we see Mulan, we are being convinced that she is in love with Philip. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, this pasty ass man, and no offense to the actor, I'm sure he's a cool guy. He's fine. But I He's fine. He's conf- he's conventionally attractive white man. He's whatever. another yeah. conventionally attractive white man who was given the title Prince. Yep. I did not remember his name. We have said his name like a dozen times so far. They said his name a dozen times in the episode. I still don't remember it and I refuse to. <laughs> yeah, but we're meant to believe that this incredible warrior who has probably seen so many, like, done so many incredible things is interested in this guy? In this guy? Really? I mean, come on. Admittedly, they do twist it up later on, but, like, at this point in time, it's just, Philip is not interested. <laughs> Like, I just, I could not believe it at all. So I, like, clearly blocked this out because I watched this episode and I was like, wait, Milan's into Philip since when? So I fully blocked that out. Like, we fought many battles together. And like, yeah, it's Milan and Philip, it's some bullshit. Like, whatever. It's just to create this, like, unnecessary tension with her and Aurora, which is also some bullshit. I don't care for it. I don't need it. Jump skip, she should be in love with Aurora the whole time. I do think Aurora and Philip seem sweet, like, as a couple. Um, he does keep telling her she needs to rest, and no, no, my girl doesn't need to rest. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's been resting a long while. I think she's yeah! fine. <laughs> um, I do find it like, he, oh god, you could tell this is just some two thousand and twelve, um, girl boss sort of thing of like when we're introduced to Milan she takes the helmet off and Aurora's like you're a girl and what did she say woman yeah woman Was that, yeah, yeah yeah um or something like I don't even remember the I know that bit and then there's something else that comes after but it's just like immediately just kind of like ah yes they've they've done a sort of girl boss situation here I'm not like against it but it was just kind of very much cringy to a mm-hmm. degree <laughs> Um, but I love Jamie Jamie Chung. She she did a good good job with this. So like she did a good her. job. I don't think the actors are doing a poor job, but I'm just like oh yeah. But she pulled the actor. line off well enough. It was still mm-hmm. cringy, but like in a in a fun way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when they like Philip, like because he gets marked and he runs off, and they're like, oh, where's Philip? He's like, I thought he was with you in the tent. I thought he was making the fire. I'm making the fire. I can see that. Oh, he was marked. He went off. He took the horses. And Malone's like, I'll go get him. And Aurora's like, I'll go with you. No, you'll only slow me down. Yeah. And just an instant conflict between these two. And it's like, this is unnecessary. I hate it. Yeah, I was not a fan of that either. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. And admittedly, it's a recurring it's a recurring theme with a lot of female characters. Like, whenever mm-hmm. two female characters like pair up, there's something like this. And I'm like, why? Women can be friends without being like this. Calm mm-hmm. down. Writers, get more women in the writer's room. <laughs> please, please. Or here's what I wanted. And let's just jump skip to this. Like, Mulan and Aurora are already in love. Like, childhood friends. Mulan was sent to, like, travel the kingdoms and stuff. Or Aurora, like, at some point in time, I don't care how, they were friends in their, like, tweens to teens before Philip came into the picture. And so then Mulan has to leave. She has to go back home to... I guess magical China. I'm sure. And then 
Philip and Aurora have a relationship, and then Aurora is cursed, and the news spreads, and Mulan hears about it, and so she rides back to help her friend love. Hmm, I don't know. We never really talked about it, and that's when she meets Philip, and they're like, "Well, we both care deeply about this woman, so we will rescue her together." It would have been way more interesting when she took off the helmet, and Aurora's like, "Mulan," and then I want flashbacks of their young budding romance from their youths. I would have loved that. To slightly piggyback onto that to bring up a fanfic there is a fanfic of yeah i know of that sort of situation but it was that like mulan was kind of brought in to sort of be in a sense raised to kind of become uh aurora's sort of um like personal bodyguard sort of thing she was brought in she had all this training she'd been training from a young age and they Uh wanted someone who had a bond with aurora to then also become her security guard so they have this childhood bond they have a little bit more of a bond but there's also mm-hmm. this whole protective element from mulan towards aurora which makes sense because that is actually something that then does happen throughout this season um yeah and later ones uh, until they cop out and they literally baby block things but that's a conversation for another time I'm still yeah, mad wait. about that i'm trying i'm actually trying to remember what happens with mulan or aurora because my brain wants to say they end up together but they never say it and i'm like no i think something stupid happens doesn't philip come back yeah Whatever, we'll get to that eventually yeah the heterosexual bullshit basically um <laughs> what i remember is that bell technically ruined things for the lesbians <laughs> like bell actually ruined things for the lesbians <laughs> that's the only thing i remember you and uh <laughs> now it makes sense why bell is somewhere in the back of my mind on my shit list <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh dear. There was a lot of heterosexual bullshit in this uh, <laughs> in this episode. We got the Philip situation. We kind of got the Rumpel and Bell situation, which does feel a bit like heterosexual bullshit. Um, and then we've got the queer baiting from the heterosexuals bullshit, um, which, you know, is never fun um, and never gets any better. In fact, it gets worse, but that's, you know, mm-hmm. I will take whatever I can, <laughs> even if I have Am to put up have- with Guyliner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, because Emma didn't have to grab Regina's arm. What if Emma had grabbed the hat and then it worked? It is just straight yeah. up queer baiting. It's 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 yeah. It's it it's is. There's a lot of touching between them. Yeah, like yeah. There's a lot of things between them. Yeah. If I was gonna write it like this to show like Emma has magic she doesn't know about yet, she grabs onto the hat. And that's what makes it work. If I'm going to write it to be like, these two characters have a potential romance together that is literally magical, then they have physical contact that makes the magic work. Like, there are two different versions of what you're trying to relay. And they clearly wanted to have their cake and eat it too. And I think we call them out on their bullshit every time. Every time we take them to task. Yes. Yes, I definitely will be. Um, (laughs) Because that's a lot of this this episode. So there is uh, Emma pulling Whale off Regina and putting... She puts her her, hand on Regina as well to kind of like keep a separation between them. So she's being like a literal protective shield in front of Regina. Does that twice as well. Like she, after the Wraith first attacks Regina, she helps Regina up from the floor, holding her hand and then her elbow. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember her exact words now, but something about um, she'll protect her or something like that. Yeah. Um, what is her exact words? Was that it? I think it's was that basically something just about it? Henry? Henry met his promise. Henry, yeah, and then she's like, "Did Henry?" Yeah, yeah. 
Although that's said afterwards, I'm pretty sure there's like a, a line like "I'll protect her" or something like that first. Or we have to, and then like her. something along those lines. Oh, Henry! Yeah, Henry asked. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, possibly. The only thing I can, and admittedly, this may be me mixing things up again, but like I have like a distinct. I. Th- it was either that or it was the we don't do that line. We we don't kill line. It, it was either or. <laughs> 16 hours ago that I watched this episode so I'm like very blanked on it um, but like I swear I'd like the scene memory is like, like Emma helping Regina up off the floor um, Snow and Charming saying something about um, you know we should just leave her because the race coming back sort of thing and Emma's just straight up being like no we're not leaving her I'll help her out or something and then like Regina gives her this look of what like, like absolute shock of hearing yeah. Emma saying this and then she says something about for Henry. Um, and it's the sort of, it's the pause where I'm like, this feels yeah. queer beatty because there is the pause between the mentioning Henry. That's true. I think, I think you're, yeah, I, I can't remember either. I watched it last night, but I, that feels right. Cause I think it's charming. Who's like, we could just leave her. Like, come on. Why, why the fuck not? We're not going to kill her. But like, what if we just leave her? And then we're all safe. Like, why are we doing this? And I'm like, ah, I don't agree with it, but also I get it. Honestly. Keith was like cast as this like cowardly, shitty, pathetic person that's like not been his true nature. He's like, mm, I'm pretty pissed about this whole curse thing. So, um, yeah, I'm not really ready to be a hero to help you, but my wife and my daughter say, my grandson say we have to, so fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's an interesting dynamic with all the stuff that's kind of going in here. Oh, oh my God, I just thought of the other one. The other bit is the fact that Emma pushes Regina out of the way of the wraith. Emma saves mm-hmm. Regina from being pulled into the hat. Yeah. She pushes her out of the way and falls into the hat, saving Regina. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's fucking wild how many times it's, like, yeah. rude. It's absolutely There's a lot of back and forth with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. They do this a lot. Yeah, it does make me really mad because you know, you know, if one of them was a dude, they'd have like started like fucking by the end of season two. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. If not on the ship in season three, like oh yeah, would have definitely had a behind closed door scene in season three. Uh, Yeah, because there's like moments happening in season three that would just have happened between the two of them if one of them was a bloke. Mm Hmm. Mad. <laughs> I want to do a reboot. <laughs> I want to write it, and I'm gonna make it so gay. Oh As my god! You fucking should. All right. Yes. Uh, I think that's all I have to say on this particular episode. Robert, do you have anything else you wanted to throw out into this void? Not particularly. I just let you both take the wheel. It was it was very nice to listen to you both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. As always, if you want to support entering Storybrooke, you can do so by heading over to at Instagram at StorybrookePod, which is also the same on Twitter. And of course, let your friends know about entering Storybrooke so we can get more people to tune in because we're going to be doing this for a long while. So be sure to stay tuned. And remember, true love can break any curse except depression. Sorry, Regina. Rip. Mm-hmm. <laughs>